The, the series on Jonah really um, made me start thinking about um, uh, similar, you know, making it similar to your own life. And we always think that it's so different. The people in the Bible are so different to us, but they're so similar to us. So um, I was Nineveh. This is what I felt like afterwards. I was Nineveh. Now, I wasn't um, killing babies and doing those horrible things. But my life was... Um, very much just work hard, play hard. And um, so my friend Susan, I felt, was Jonah. Because we had met, I worked in an underground power station and she would come over occasionally. Now, I, she knew I was against Christianity, really, really against Christianity. And she was very Christian. So we started... Um, chatting because she was the only, I was the only other female on site. And so when she would come over as an industrial health nurse, we would chat. So she, I was quite vocal with my uh, being against Christianity. We would have big conversations. And she would never push it, never push it. But she, I knew that, what her lifestyle was like. So um, God asked my friend Susan long story short, to ask me to an alpha course. And my friend Susan was like Jonah. She was like, oh no, please don't make me ask Anne, because she was scared of the repercussions of, we had kind of become friends, I was the only female over there, so she wanted to remain friends. Um, and she, But she knew that I would be vocal. <laughs> and yeah, she was afraid of that. So um, she put it off and put it off and put it off. What Susan didn't know is that God had done something miraculous in my life. And, and she didn't know that at the time. And I didn't know it was miraculous. I just thought this was a strange thing that happened to me. So eventually she was praying with God and she thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I know she's going to say no. I don't care what she's going to say. I know she's going to say no, but I'm going to do it. So um, um, on a Wednesday night, she um, said, can I come round? And I said, yep, sure. And she came round and she asked, she kind of asked like this, um, oh, Anne, it's, I've got this, um, there's this thing that we're sort of starting and, you know, you don't have to come, but I, you know, if you want, you could just... And she said, it's, it's called Alpha Course and... Um, and it's kind of learning about God, but, you know, you don't have to. And I just went, yes. And she went, oh. <laughs> so surprised. And then she was, like, stopped because she really didn't know what to say then. So to me, um, she hadn't known what had happened and beforehand. So when she said that, I wanted to learn more. So I always felt that was like Nineveh and Jonah. Like, she so didn't want to. She nearly ran the other way. But she was faithful to God and she asked me and it was perfect timing at the right time as it is when you're prompted by the Holy Spirit and I said yes and you know it went from there. Um, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions as a follow-up to that so um, what do you think um, like if she had never actually obeyed God what do you think would have happened? So I, I pondered on this and I thought well we don't know the ways of God and maybe he could have used someone else Although I think he'd kind of planned this because she was kind of the only Christian in my life. So, you know, <laughs> if she hadn't have done that, what was it that what would my life have been like? Well, um, 
you know, I can't say to the world it would look successful, possibly. Um, you know, I was um, corporate and I was um, really good job, really good money. But I knew in my heart that I was always striving. I, I had lost five children and I, so I put my career up as the thing. So I know that I would have kept going up that ladder and it was a harsh ladder to be going up in a, I was in an electricity corporation. So it was a harsh ladder amongst all those men, especially at those time. And I was quite hard. So, you know, I, I could have been married um, because there's a bigger pool of men out there that are not <laughs> Christian. So, you know, we're not saying that all could have been bad. However, I would never have changed my careers and become a teacher. I would never have gone to India and lived there for five years. I would never have been opened my eyes to the truth of where my babies were. I would never have been healed of the hurt that had caused me to keep striving and striving and striving. So I would have been stuck in that place and the world would have thought I was successful. But I wasn't. I'm successful now as little old Anne as a teacher teaching little children and knowing God and being able to go to God for so many more things. So in my eyes, I don't even want to think about what I would have been like if God hadn't come into my life, yeah. So good. Just a just the last question. Um, what? Uh, how did your friend? Um, how was she after she heard about the other side to your story? The 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 God be- um, work behind. The- <laughs> we talk about this a lot. She's now my very 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 good friend. <laughs> she says to me, "You're my one and only convert, Anne." <laughs> and I say, "Well." You know, it wasn't actually you, Susan, that converted me. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit. However, I always put her up for have, being faithful and doing the hard thing of stepping up and asking when she so didn't want to. You know, it would have been so much easier for her just to go on with her life. So we often joke about it. And she is now very vocal in her church um, not that she was quite little mouse before, <laughs> um, but she, like she might have been a little bit like Jonah, you know, he was, you know, a prophet and he was outspoken, but he said no to this. So, yeah, we, we joke about it, um, how her life would have been. Her faith grew so much and that she then thought, I don't know the ways of God, as we all say. I don't know what plans God's got. I don't know what's happening in that person's life. And so now she just, she's so big at speaking out all the time. So it gave her faith and it saved me, basically. So two-edged sword, yeah. That's so cool. Um, Yeah, just, I think, yeah, that's just so encouraging hearing, you know, this this real life experience that is not about theory. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Um, I just want to pray for you, yeah. Heavenly Father, we just, um, Lord, we thank you that um, you have brought Anne through so much. We thank you that the the, um, testimony of her life has been such a huge blessing to so many. And Lord, um, I just think of that verse now that you tell us we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ, and the word of our testimony, and how much um, Anne is proof of that overcoming. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we thank you that 
uh, each one of our testimonies. As we understand them more, as we um, trust you more, we become more and more overcomers. And we thank you for that, almighty God. Mm. Amen. Hey, a little bit of sermon action, eh? Um, so as I said before, um, we're moving into this new series, um, How to Thrive in Life. And want to hit a whole bunch of real big topics over the next uh, six or so weeks. So, um, yeah, should be good. I think it'll be some hard stuff that we're going to talk through, but it'll be good. I, this is totally, the sermon I'm about to preach is totally not where I wanted to go. So one of the weird things in writing sermons is you've got to listen to God, right? And you can sit down to write a sermon thinking, I'm going to go here. And then as you start chewing and looking up verses, God takes you over here and you're like, what? And so I have wrestled with this. But I'm sitting in the trust that this is where God wants me to go. So feel free to tell me afterwards and be like, bro, that was rubbish. And I'll burst into tears, but that's all good. Um, I was thinking of doing a series, like my sermon, more on um, that God's got you and everything and trust in God and all this kind of cool stuff. But that'll come out in the series. But where God took me was a whole different place. So um, I loved Anne's story. Where'd you go, Anne? I loved Anne's story, eh, that the, the joy that comes from obedience, right? The, the, that joy that comes from obeying God rather than not obeying God. So that's kind of where I ended up um, going in this whole thing. And so I'm going to do a whole little talk here on obedience. Um, so here's the, the first one. So I got three points this morning. So here's the first one. Obedience enables us to see God, right? Obedience enables us to see God. And we're going to look at a couple of verses that um, make this super clear. The word, um, the word see in this is... I'm going to unpack that in a minute. To me, it's really crucial. But I think because they're in church, we talk about God loving us all the time and us loving God, and we talk about us seeing God and connecting with God a lot. And I think for a lot of us, it just becomes so like, yeah, yeah, yeah sweet as. But we don't really stop to think, what does it actually mean that we see God or that God reveals himself to us or that God really, that God really loves us? He wants to pour our love into us. So I know this is very personal, but this is how I experience it, right? This is how I see God. And it's different for everyone. Um, so I say this carefully, right? Um, so for me, there's, there's certain times, and I'm old enough now that I've learned, there's certain things I do or certain places I go where I will just feel the presence of God. God reveals himself to me. I feel my soul connecting with God. So the, the examples, and I've shared a bunch of these with you before, Whenever I run in the bush, I just get overwhelmed with the revelation of who God is. So I used to live Mangatotari, work in Tauranga, and heaps of days I'd start super early in the morning, finish at three, um, and stop the north-south trail up top of the Kaimais and just run for a couple of hours. And heaps of times I would just be overwhelmed because I'd be praying and singing and running through the bush yelling out, Jesus, which hunters just find hilarious. They're having a bunch of times where they come flying around the corner and I'm screaming out Jesus and there's a guy with like half a pig on his back and he's like, Sup, bro? And I'd be like, Jesus, and run off like an idiot, so I don't know. But I would just get so overwhelmed with God's love and his closeness. And heaps of times I'd be kneeling, it'd be muddy and rainy and horrible up there. And I'd just be kneeling or lying on the side of the path, just, I'm seeing God. Does it make sense, eh? Seeing God, right? Um, a funny one is here on Sunday morning. So I get here early on a Sunday morning to set up stuff, like we change heaps of stuff in the cafe and bits and pieces. And um, often I'm either here alone and I'll be cr just cranking worship music in the um, cafe or the worship team's um, practicing. I, I hate saying practicing worship, but you know what I mean, rehearsing, whatever. And heaps of times I'm in the cafe setting up, I'm just setting up morning tea and I just feel so 
close to God, so like overwhelmed. And they've seen me. I'll be walking around in the cafe, my hands out, I'm just singing away. It's just it's that, that I'm seeing God. Does it make sense, eh? Right? Um, last one is uh, there's a church in Hamilton I go to almost every day at the moment um, when I finish work. And I just sneak in there and just sit to pray. And I'm just finding it just glorious. And sometimes I'll be in there, and it's one of the old churches in town, because I love the old church with the stained glass and all that cool stuff, right? Um, and not always, but often when I'm in there, and I'm, sometimes I'm in there five minutes, and then I go to the gym, right? Um, so spiritual and power, whatever. Um, sometimes five minutes, sometimes half an hour, but often now I've, I'll be in there just praying, and I'm praying for you guys, obviously, um, and, and um, thanking God for stuff. Quite often, I just get so overwhelmed with the love of God and the reality of his relationship with me. And, and again, I'm seeing God. I like slip out of my little pew and I'm kneeling. Often I'll sit right at the back so I don't look like a weirdo. And sometimes I'm just with my face just pressed on the carpet because the reality of God and his love just overwhelms me. Right? And it's that seeing God. So, And I know we're different. So I'm not saying if that's not you, bad luck. Um, but at the same time, would say, if you never experience the closeness of God, then you're missing out massively, right? You're just missing out on a whole component because God wants us to see him, right? Um, here's a verse that I'm going to unpack a little bit this morning. John 14, 21. I just love this at the moment. This is Jesus speaking. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them, and that's where I'm going on this whole obey thing, right? It's kind of a heavy thing, but whatever. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, and then he says two amazing things, right? Because they love me or because they obey me, and and obeying, they're showing they love me, right? One, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself. I just love that, eh? Reveal myself to, to each of them. When was the last time you were somewhere and you just felt so, either that overwhelmed sense or just so strongly and clearly that God loves you, (laughs) He's pouring his love into your soul. When was the last time you were somewhere in that bottom bit that you just knew, man, God is revealing himself to me. The word reveal um, there that's in our Bible, it means uh, to, to learn something or, or discover something that you totally didn't know before. And I just love that because what it means is that in our relationship with God, there should be this ongoing growth and development where you learn more of God and more of God. You never get to a point where you're like, got it. <laughs> I've got God. It's like, nope. There's always this new discovery, this new excitement, this new revelation. Eh? I, I just love that. Um, yeah, the, the, the love of God for me. Man. Okay, so the, the reveal thing, I think, has been the biggest thing I've kept chewing on um, this last week. I, when I think about the love of God, I always think about, and I know some of you don't have kids, and some of you are kids, and it gets weird, but when I think about the love of God, the only way I can understand it is the love that a parent has for their kid, right? And most parents would do anything for their kids, right? Pretty much anything, right? Um, Jason and I, like you know, lived in the States for a bunch of years, and we were going to a university in Chicago, and I think this is a bad thing, and you can judge me if you want, because some parents love their kids too much in a crazy way. And so we were, we were super broke, like shut up broke. And we'd have to pay our fees, and it was always the most terrifying thing in the world, because we just didn't have much money in our bank account. So they put us on a payment plan and you're going up to the line. It was always really stressful in the big 
you know, the um, university accounts department and stuff. And one time I was going up there, and again, we're broke and freaking out, and um, there was a dad and his son in front of us. And they went up before us, and the person said, oh, yeah, the fees for the year are, you know, it's thousands of dollars. And the dad's like, oh, yes, sweet dad, just pulls out his checkbook. Starts to write the check, and he goes, oh, how much money do you want for the semester? And the kid said, several thousand dollars. And the dad just goes, ah, oh, yes, sweet ass, and just writes in this check, hands it over. And I'm behind them going, you know, here's my money. I hope it's going to, oh, it's terrifying. Um, that dad, I'm not judging him, that dad loved his kid, man. He was like, I just want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I want you to have this awesome year at the university, rightly or wrongly, you know. Um, when God looks at you, he delights in you. That's what it means that he loves you. He wants to do, and I say this carefully, anything he can for you, that will draw you closer to him, that will cause you to love him more, right? Um, yeah, I love that. Eh? I, I got a couple of quotes, because I knew when I was going over it this week, I wasn't going to describe this very well, so I've got, got a couple of quotes. So here's this first quote, I'm like, oh my gosh! And then the second quote, I'm like, shut up. So here we go, here's the first quote, I love this. Um, Every awesome thing in creation is designed to point you to the one who alone is worthy of capturing and controlling the awe of your searching and hungry heart. Shut up. That's a great quote. Anyone? No one? Me? Okay, I'm going to read it again. Every awesome thing in creation is designed to point you to the one who alone is worthy of capturing and controlling the awe of your searching and hungry heart. Man, I love that. Eh? We search. <laughs> We're foolish humans, man. We know that God is the only one who can satisfy our soul, but yet we still hunger after other things. We search after other things. Some of us more than others, right? I'm, I'm shocking. Um, I just love that, eh? Um, here's the next quote. I, I love this next quote. It's a little bit longer, but this is cool. Obedience unlocks the affection of Christ and his self-disclosure to the human heart. There's nothing more I long for than for Jesus to manifest himself to me. That's that reveal himself to me. For the hope of beholding him, I will embrace any and every command of his mouth. I choose to obey him, not because I'm energized by watching my obedience change people's lives, but because his presence is so sweet when I obey. My heart is inflamed with zeal for his closeness, and obedience only fuels that fire. <laughs> I just love this. Let me. I just want to read that last bit again. I chose to obey. I choose to obey him not because I'm energized by watching my obedience change people's lives, but because his presence is so sweet when I obey. My heart is inflamed with zeal for his closeness, and obedience only fuels that fire. Man, I, I just love that. I, I I hunger for those times of just closeness with God when I know His love is just being poured out on me. When I know I'm just in his presence. I'm just like, no, you know. Um, again, I say this carefully because we're all different. If you're not having those times, then you're really, you're missing out a whole aspect of what it means to be a Christian. I mean, Jesus just said it, right? Those who obey me, God will love them. He'll pour his love into their soul. I'll reveal myself to them. Um, man, I just love that. Eh? Now, I need to say this next bit super carefully. Focus. Kia ora, podcast people. Kia ora, video people. Sorry, I didn't say kia ora. Kia ora, good to see you. You're awesome. Um, this next point I need to say very strongly, and I need you to hear me really carefully, because otherwise this is disastrous. So good to see you. If you're driving, pull over. Nah, do whatever you want. Um, 
Now, I say this carefully, okay? <laughs> the, ob the obvious other side of this is that sometimes, that's underlined, it's got arrows pointing to it, sometimes the reason that we're struggling is life, in life is because of being disobedient. You with me? Makes sense, right? Sometimes in life, the reason things are hitting the fan, the reason stuff's total chaos is because we are disobeying God. And he loves us so much that he will do all he can to draw us back onto the path. You with me, eh? Okay, but, and this is my big thing, but in saying that, I'm not for a second saying anyone who's struggling is disobeying. I'm not saying that. So I'm not saying if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts or depression or anxiety or overwhelmed or whatever, I'm not saying, well, you're disobeying. Shame, I'm not, I'm not going there, right? I love, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in John 9. And in John 9, the disciples who are just hilarious, right? Um, there's a guy who's blind, and they go to Jesus, and I just love it. They're so funny. They're like, oh, check out this blind guy, a.k.a. broken person, same as what we're talking about. Check out this blind guy. Man, whose fault is it? Is it his sin, or is it his parents' sin? You know, I just love it. They're just such awesome people. Um, and what does Jesus say? He's like, oh, it's nothing to do with sin, Right? So I'm taking that and, and I'm holding that really strongly and saying, if, if, if you or a friend of yours or, hey, podcast video people, if you're struggling with some mental health, or <laughs> I'm not for a second saying it's because of disobedience. It's the punishment of the Lord. I'm not saying that. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. That's between you and God to figure out. I'm not saying that. Um, the, the world is crazy, right? The world is just tough at the moment. Um, so I, I just needed you to hear me. I'm not, not wanting to say... The reason you've got depression is because you're disobeying God. You know, <laughs> Repent of your sins and it'll be fine. I'm not, right? That, you, you and God need to kind of figure that out. Hey, so back to this, um, this obedience bringing blessing uh, kind of idea. Graham and I were talking about it um, this week. And um, Graham Carter, and he was saying there's a few guys he's helping at the moment in church who are struggling with porn. And one of the verses that he gets them to memorize is this next one from Matthew, which I thought was super cool. And again, it's this obedience blessing thing. Um, this one, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will they'll see God. That's that same thing, right? You can see the same thing. Obedience reveals who God is. They, they see God. And he was saying, some of these guys that are struggling, I thought it was quite cool. He's like, when that temptation comes, just start quoting this verse. Start quoting this. God blesses those who are pure. Man, I want to see God. I want to experience his love. I want him to reveal himself to me. I'm desperate to see God. So I need to be pure. I'm going to go for a run or have a cold shower or do an interpretive dance, whatever you need to do, right? I love that, eh? Okay, so the first thing is obedience enables me to see God, right? Um, and here's the second point, which is kind of obvious, right? Obedience is hard, isn't it? <laughs> Obedience is really hard, to be honest, right? Um, hands up, and you're allowed to be honest if you want. Hands up, who thinks sin is just, it's fantastic, to be honest. No one, just me? I think sin's fantastic, right? Sin is awesome. It stinks, <laughs> but at the time it's great, or none of us would do it. We would all be pure and fantastic. But last time I checked, everyone in this room, maybe apart from Wendy, because she's extra spiritual, we sin, right? <laughs> once, in, once every 15 years, but we sin occasionally. Um, because sin is fantastic, right? Um, otherwise, we wouldn't do it. But sin, and now you can judge me if you want with this next illustration, but to me, sin is like KFC, right? Who loves KFC? Anyone? I love KFC, man. Um, I was catching up with a friend this week, and we were talking about, um, I, I turned up, sorry, to catch up with him, and he looked really ill, and I was like, bro, are you all good? And he's like, man, I had KFC for lunch. I knew I shouldn't have. And then he said, and this is exactly my point, he was sin. 
KFC is fantastic going down, but then like half an hour, an hour later, you're like, what have I done? And you just know you've got this big thing of like oil and fat, just like gurgling away. And we hung out for like half an hour, and the whole time he just kept going, oh, bro, I shouldn't have eaten that KFC. And I was like, man, that's like sin, eh? Like, to be blunt, sin is fantastic, usually. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it when it's going down or whatever it is. But then later on, there's consequences, right? Like (laughs) KFC, I don't know. So obedience is really hard, right? I'm, I'm not for a second saying, you know, read that verse and like, yeah, God will reveal and woohoo. It's like obedience is hard because life is tough and there's distractions and stuff. So, so what is a, a simple breakdown? What's an easy verse that makes it really clear to know what is the core of this obedience? That was my kind of question here. And so here's one here, Matthew. So if you've got your Bible, jump over to Matthew uh, 22. And I'll read these verses. Either um, This is... We're in Matthew, so Janine read uh, the same passage from Luke, which then follows on with the Good Samaritan. So I'm just reading it in a different part, but same question. So our question is, is okay, I want to obey God because I want to experience his love. I want Christ to reveal himself to me. What does this obedience look like? Is it huge? Is it easy to understand? Uh, verse 36, uh, where are we? Matthew 22. Um, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I'm always like, man, Jesus is amazing. He just literally summarized the entire Bible in two sentences. It's like, whoa, no wonder he's God. You know, it's like, it's pretty awesome. Um, so, so pretty simple. When we think about obeying God, it's not super tricky. And the first thing is to love God, right? To to love God. And in saying that, it's like, and I'm always a Bible nerd, so I'm like, which word for love did they use, right? So as you guys know, um, Jesus would have been speaking Aramaic, but we're reading Matthew, so Matthew would have remembered what Jesus said. Um, and then under the, the inspiration uh, of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he's writing in Greek, and he, there's a whole bunch of Greek words for love, piles of them, but he chose the toughest one, right? And it's agape. Most of you know agape. So agape, the, the simple idea of agape is sacrificial love, right? Sacrificial love. To agape someone, to love someone, that means you're going to, you will lay down anything for that person, right? And that's the word that, that is used in this, to, to agape the Lord your God, to love the Lord your God. And the second thing, to agape, to love um, people, neighbors, right? Um, so what? Yeah, both, agape. So here's a, another quote. I'm a bit of a quote guy this morning because I was like, man, I'm going to struggle to explain this. So this is talking about um, this word agape, right? Agape is the love word for absolute, unself-centered, brutal sacrifice. Its central meaning for the New Testament derives from Jesus' death on the cross. For God so loved, or agapeo, so agape, the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. This is about God sacrificing his son. Steadfast love, compassion, and delight are all part of God's love for us, and they are all part of the sacrifice, but the sacrifice is agape, or the sacrifice is love, right? Um, It's real easy to sit in church and be like, yeah, I love God, and then when you stop and go, what the heck? Jesus is not saying, oh, I just love him when it's convenient, love him when it's easy. He's saying, love God, agape, love God with a sacrificial, brutal, I will do, I will lay down my life for God kind of love. Does it make sense, eh? I did 
preface this whole sermon by saying, this is a heavy sermon, so sorry, back into the sermon. To me, that takes it to a whole new level, and to me, it takes it to a level where it's like, man, I need to process this a lot. I need to process it a lot. It's real easy to say I'm a Christian and I love God, but then I look at my life and I'm like, do I? Remember Jesus said, those who love me obey me. You can see my love and my obedience. It's all connected. And remember this whole point, the second point is obedience is hard, isn't it? It's like, yeah, obedience towards God, loving God at that level is really hard. But again, it brings the love of God. It brings Christ revealing. So like that quote I read before, it's worth it. Man, it's worth it. Um, So that's the first thing, right? And the second thing is to love um, people, right? So first thing, love God. These are these two simple commands around obedience. Um, And every time I I read this one, I'm always like, man, have you met people though, God? I can handle loving you, but people are just tough to love, right? I mean, some of you are easy to love. Some of you, not some, I'm joking. No, you're all easy to love, right? Um, So I, I write down some things, right? But what about people I don't like? What about people I don't like? Jesus would say, not just love, yeah, agape. He'd say, love them. It's like, really? What about people doing really, really horrible sins? Jesus would say, love them. <laughs> what about someone who's really, 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 really hurt me? Like, really? Jesus would say, love them. <laughs> and just a random story, because this is kind of funny, so it's not funny. So Joe and I were taking our dog for a walk on Friday morning, and um, we were walking through a park, and our dog was on a lead, and our dog is perfect in every way, and another guy's dog was not on a lead, and it was a very aggressive breed, I won't say what it was, and it just boosted across the park and attacked our dog, like bad attack, so I was freaking out, Joe's having 15 heart attacks, and so I booted the dog to stop it, trying to, it was literally trying to kill my dog, um, and then this massive dude, 18 feet by 20 feet, jumped out of a truck and he was angry. Now I'm trying to wear my Christian pants. I got red hair. I am really feisty, but I was trying to be Jesus-y. So I saw him coming and I could see he was tacked at me for kicking his dog. But if I haven't, my dog would probably be dead. So I boosted up and I said, hey bro. And I put out my hand, said Kelda, And he just like grabbed me around the neck, punched me in the face, pushed me on the ground. Oh, I've got a nice bruise on my lip. It was awesome, right? Um, terrified Joe's. It was just chaos, right? But we're all good. So I just wanted to give a practical illustration. If I go to Jesus and say, hey, but that guy, Jesus would say, you need to love him, man. <laughs> you need to love him. To get real grunty, because this is a grunty series. I was sexually abused terribly, I've told you guys. Terribly growing up. Oh, Jesus says, I've got to love that guy? Oh, no, no, that's right. There's this little side verse somewhere in the New Testament that says, when it's real bad, oh, no, there's not. <laughs> right? Um, I'm not for a second saying we sweep sin under the carpet and go, it's all okay. Remember KFC, there's consequences to sin, right? That guy that abused me, he's had terrible consequences for what he did, right? Um, But God calls me to love. That's my part in this, right? Agape, sacrifice. I would have loved nothing more than to have smacked that guy in the face. (laughs) But I was doing my Jesus thing, right? (laughs) And there were three of them, but that's another story, right? Um... Yeah, consequences, right? Obedience is is hard. Here's another little quote thinking about this. Um, The fact that the writers chose agape as the primary defining word for love in the New Testament and thus for life in in Christian community shows how radically the New Testament redefines love from the perspective of the cross. It also shows how radically the New Testament defines our concepts of friendship 
But Jesus tells his disciples, this is my commandment that you love, agape one another. As I have loved you, no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. I'm going to read it again because this is a, it's a bit of a full-on quote. So let me read it again. The fact that the writers chose agape as the primary defining word for love in the New Testament and thus for life in the Christian community shows how radically the New Testament redefines love from the perspective of the cross. It also shows how radically the New Testament defines our concepts of friendship. For Jesus tells his disciples, this is my commandment, that you love agape one another. As I have loved you, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for their friends. Obedience is hard, man. Hard to obey God because we sin rocks. (laughs) Hard to love other people because people are just really hard to love and we're kind of messed up. So here's the third point. And I'm probably going to cry when I talk about this point because this makes me go, I was going to scream, but I better not because I don't know what. Ah! <laughs> That's me screaming really loud ah! with joy. Because um, this is what this sounds like to me, to be honest. This sounds like the most horrible sermon in the history of sermons. And this to me sounds like God is the most horrible God who ever lived because he asks us to do the impossible task. He says, oh, if you want me to love you and if you want to have Christ reveal himself to you, Love God, agape God, and love people, agape people. And we just go, we can't. Impossible task, God. You, that is unfair. You're with me, eh? You get what I'm saying? It's like, help God, we can't. What are you doing? And then we get to point three. Thank God. (laughs) But obedience is empowered by God. And I'm like, that's me screaming loud. Um, Here's a verse that I just love this. I've read this so many times this week. I love this. Um, Here's this cool verse. 1 Thessalonians 1.11. So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. I don't know about you, but when I read this, I just go, shut up. I just get so excited because you see what God's doing, right? Maybe. So what God's doing, this is my understanding of it, right? What God's doing is he's saying, if you want me to love you, pour my love, my blessing, my guidance, my, my grace, my direction into you. If you want to have Christ reveal, I don't know why I'm sitting down there. If you want to have Christ revealing himself to you, you want to see God, then you need to love God. You need to love it. And we go, I can't. And God goes, I know. But because I love you so much and I really want you to get these two things, I will now come beside you and I will empower you, and I will give you the strength to do what I've asked you to do so that you can experience my love, you can experience the fullness of God. Are you with me, eh? And I just go, that's so cool, because God would be totally right to go, here's the two things, good luck with that, I'll be over here in heaven, hanging out with angels, but he doesn't. God never does, God comes beside us, and I love the two words I underline them, he enables us, he empowers us, right? God knows that he's giving us an impossible task, but he knows he's coming along beside us to, to, to strengthen us, to empower us, to obey him, right? And when we do, the love of God, the experience, oh, I love that. I was thinking about it. Um, this, this kind of theme, right, comes out in so many movies, right? So many movies where someone is given an impossible task and a friend has to come along beside them to help them. Are you with me? So I listed some down that are my favorites. The first one, Shrek and Donkey, right? You've seen the first Shrek. Shrek couldn't have saved Princess Fiona by himself. He needed Donkey with him, right? Are you with me? Oh, my gosh, you guys are disastrous. Um, Gru and the Minions. 
there's no way Gru could have stolen the moon if he hadn't had the minions helping him. He needed someone to help him, right? Impossible task, but he did. I don't know if you guys are really with me in this. The Avengers, right? The Avengers had to team up to beat Thanos. They just couldn't do it by themselves. They needed Spider-Man and Ant-Man and, I don't know, all those clowns. Um, Frodo and Sam is the classic. Frodo is the one who steps forward to do the impossible task. But if you're on my team, Frodo's a total wiener. He just whines the whole movie. I just want to punch him. Well, I don't want to punch him. Hug him. Sam is the hero to me. Sam is the man. The whole movie, he is the man. Everyone's like, Frodo's so wonderful. And I'm like, Frodo is a whining geek. Who carries him up the last bit? Sam, the man, right? An impossible task, but someone comes along. You have a decision to make. (laughs) You can try and be Frodo and do it by yourself. It's not going to happen, man. Or you can go, God, I really want to do this. I'm desperate to do this. I want to experience your love. I I need you to empower me, to strengthen me, to to come along beside me. Um, I'm just going to finish with this verse because this is like one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Same thing, right? That's why I work and struggle so hard. Paul's talking about sharing the gospel. And he says, that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. He's working and struggling. He's not just sitting around going, God, feel free to zap me and make me obey you and reveal. He's not. He's like, I am working my butt off. I'm struggling. I'm, this Christian thing is hard, right? But when I look back, I go, oh, man, it's Christ empowering me, Christ empowering me, Christ empowering me. Man. Okay, it too, it's all stand up and let me pray for us, eh? So again, I want to make it real clear. Again, I'm not saying if someone's struggling, there's something crazy. I'm not saying it's because you're sinning. Maybe you are. It's between you and God to figure out. I don't know. But what I am saying is when, when we're talking about thriving in life, we're going to hit all these big topics, but I really wanted to start by going the core of it is obedience. But the core of thriving in life is obeying God and, and seeking God, and then he pours his love into our life. He reveals himself to us. That's, I wanted to make that real clear. Now let me pray for us. Yeah. Yeah, kia ora um, Yeah, I, I just get so excited when I read those last verses because it feels like, ah, <laughs> we can't do this. What on earth are you asking us to do? You're the meanest God ever. And then it's like, oh, no, you're not. Not only, <laughs> it just blows me away how, how loving you are, that you know we need to obey. And then you in, in, empower us, you strengthen us, you encourage us. You walk with us to do that, God. I just pray you'll give us greater and greater wisdom in our own lives to be really disciplined. Hey, what, do we, what do we do? Where do we go? What are the things that we do when we just feel your closeness and your presence? What are some of the areas of life that we're just struggling with and we're like, yeah, sin is really good. It's KFC, but it's really good. And we need to just stop that with your strength because we're weak, God. We're so weak, eh? Yeah. Thanks that you love us enough that you would um, reveal yourself to us, eh? that you would overwhelm us so often with your presence and your closeness and your care. Just wild, God. We're so blessed to be in relationship with you, eh? So blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Eh?